0: I'm Casey, Compulsive Overeater. I'm hey, um, grateful to be here, very honored to be speaking in an OA meeting. And um, I always preface this when I speak here, I'm, um, that's not my real name, my name's really unique and so I would prefer um, when, since this is being taped on the internet, to just use another name because I just want the anonymity in my work life. and. Um, I want to be able to speak vulnerably and honest in here and, um, tell my story and have that within the OA community. So Casey is my Labrador's name and she's a compulsive overeater (laughs) like me. So it's in spirit, the same tribe. Um, anyway, um, Okay, so god, I'm so I'm I'm just like I was reflecting on being here tonight and speaking and I'm so grateful for overeaters anonymous that saved my life. I'll pass pictures around. That was always really helpful for me when I was new and um for anyone listening around the world, I'll give the numbers. I'm um been coming to overeaters anonymous for 23 years. I'm 22 years abstinent. I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, I'm an anorexic. I'm a laxative abuser, which really, you know, falls under the bulimia strain of this disease. And uh, 22 years of recovery. I'm. Um, I've been uh, well over 100 pounds. I've been, you know, uh, I don't know. I mean, to give the numbers, I was probably 240 pounds, something like that. It was a size 22, 24. I've been hospitalized for anorexia, so I have both sides of this disease, you know, 100 pounds up, 100 pounds down, I don't even know. But, um, you know, being 100 pounds more than I am now, um, I was enslaved by the food, you know. I was enslaved by the food, I was enslaved by what the food gave me, what the food did for me, and I'm so grateful for the food. I am so grateful that I had the food to turn to, when I was young, and I'm forever grateful that I found a way out, because <laughs> Over Anonymous gave me a way out, and so um, I'll just talk about what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. Um, I want to welcome anyone who's new. Welcome to the newcomers. Congratulations to the chip t- takers, candles, birthdays. I was so moved by uh, the newcomers and the chip takers. When I was new, I didn't have um, the guts to get up. Like, I'd come in late, stay in the back, leave early. I didn't have the guts to come to the room. So whenever I see chip takers and candle takers, like, I just get teary-eyed and emotional. And um, I, I'm forever grateful for that because I related to what everyone said. And all. Um, all you know, I wrote down a couple of things, and, and at the top of it, I wrote down higher power to remember to talk about my higher power, which is, you know, this being a spiritual program. Um, sometimes I'll share and I'll forget, like every every step, every tradition, it has a higher power underneath, and every minute of abstinence I have is because of a higher power doing for me what I could not do for myself. Before Overeaters Anonymous, um I will say that um, every minute was ruled by food obsession, either eating it or not eating food that was that was my life. It was twenty four seven for me, and um, my compulsive overeating started at age eleven. Um, and um, I um, you know, just to give a little history i was I was born in Los Angeles. And I lived here till I was seven, and then um, I moved to Aspen, Colorado, with my mom and my sisters when I was um, seven years old. And um, you know that town was—it um, was full of uh, activity lots of people skiing, bike riding. There wasn't, I, I really don't think there was anyone fat there. <laughs> you know, I think when I started compulsive eating, I felt like I was the only fat person there. And there was a tremendous amount, you know, in the years that I grew up, there was just a tremendous amount of alcohol and drug abuse there. That So that's what I grew up. I grew up in a resort town and in my household and everything around me. Um, it was crazy town. And, um, they were having fun. I was just scared as a kid, you know, growing up in alcoholism is terrifying. And so, um, I turned to the food, um, at an early age and it gave me the solace and it really made me feel, um, warm and safe. And, um, it was really the ultimate protector for me. And, That's why I say I'm so grateful for those years that I was compulsive eating and and diet abuse. And, um, you know, the little snapshots that I find in my inventory was just like I was a big binge eater. Any day that I could be home from school, you know, faking sick to binge all day was like I just remembered that's the only time I felt safe. And um so I'd eat all day, you know, and I had the humiliation of being a fat kid early on where, um, you know, I was called Thunder Thighs. I was, you know, I, growing up in a small town, it's just so humiliating going to the grocery store and the drugstore and buying candy and people seeing me come in day after day. And there weren't a lot of different convenience stores I could hit. So I was at the same ones, you know, in the same drugstores buying just loads of candy and and things to just knock me out, and um, so my my growing up years were really isolatory. And then when I turned 15, I um uh I was dieting. You know, I was I was a pro dieter. I tried every diet in the world. You know, I won't name them all, but you name it, I was on it. I did everything from you know, fat camp to the Schick Center. For anyone who remembers the Schick Center, I'm you know, everyone I think is people that are younger I have no idea what that is. It's like you go to quit smoking and and give up the foods that you want to give up and like you'd bring in foods that you were trying to give up and they'd hook you up to electric shock treatment. I mean and I did this as a teenager. It was so crazy. And I just did anything to try to get the weight off and I'd always be I was a pro-dieter I'd always get the weight off I was the type of dieter where I'd lose 70 80 pounds at a time in a very short period and then I'd gain it right back because I had no idea how to do life without excess food so um, at age 15 I discovered um, diet pills from a doctor that gave that over prescribed it to me accidentally so I had like a mass amount of diet pills which propelled me into anorexia and i ended up in the hospital after a horse accident and they kept me in there because i was starving and um... i truly was at the height of anorexia where i really felt like um, my anorexia although it's a different like sect of, of the disease of the eating disorder it was really where my control issues just propelled itself into a place that I hadn't experienced before so the illusion of control and it was when I got out of the hospitals when I actually landed in my first OA meeting. I have no idea why I found it, but I did. I was always resourceful in finding ways to lose weight or something to cure my eating disorder. And so I found OA in this small town, and there were four women in the room, and one woman was abstinent. The rest of them were binging. <coughs> and I bought the A12 12 and 12. We didn't have the OA12 12 and 12, and that was when the the message was delivered to me. And I didn't stay. I was was really young, I was 15. Um, I'm 50 now, so it was a long time ago. And I um, uh, just remember though that that's when the seed was planted. So when I was ready to come back in my late 20s, I remembered that meeting. And um, it really like the message was carried to me first there. And so I came back in the rooms and in my late 20s when I had gotten to the point where the food brought me to a place where I um, lost my job, couldn't clean my apartment, I was binging out of control. I was not at my highest weight, but I was at my highest insanity. So I came crawling back in here at a meeting in West Hollywood when I you know, lived back in L.A. and um, I just came to meetings and I just remember being at a bottom that I hadn't been at before. And so I came to meetings. Like I said, I I sat in the back and um, uh, came late, left early, but I was here. So no matter like how you get here, how long you stay in meetings or whatever, it's like if you don't talk to anyone. But if you're here, wonderful. Even if you're here for 15 minutes, great. I mean, that's how I did in the beginning. So I'm so grateful that I had the, like, just edge of willingness to come back at that time, because, and I'm so grateful Overeaters Anonymous works the way it does, because um, I wasn't kicked out. I wasn't given, like, a diet plan. I wasn't told you had to do X, Y, and Z. I was so over people telling me how to do (coughs) stuff regarding my food and my weight. And I also was, like, I wasn't even at my top weight. I was just at my top incredible insanity. And um, I was just sharing, like, I didn't know that – I mean, I knew my life was unmanageable. Like, that was actually – but I wasn't yet ready to admit powerlessness over food until I got a sponsor. And so that was a year in the program. And. (coughs) So, you know, I I really kind of want to talk to you some current stuff that's going on on, like, how the program works in life, like, with life going on. And I really appreciated when I heard one of the chip takers talk about, like, letting go of sugar items and getting to a new freedom. And and um, at a certain point, you know, I've gone through many different stages in this program, and my abstinence is three meals a day and a snack or two if I need it. And um, I surrendered to a food plan a few years into abstinence because I found that I was still in bondage of certain food groups. And when I finally gave gave up those certain foods, I found a new freedom and that was like when it talks about in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, the physical emotional and spiritual ailment the physical part of this disease I'd never experienced until I tried to give up sugar and 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 certain sugar items like I was going through such a detox of giving giving up the sugar I thought I was going insane and then when I finally like 90 days in I always share this like. I was free of that. I was free of that physical enslavement. And um, I'm so grateful, because then I got to get a whole new level of what this program offers, which is how to do life then, right? Because my whole first half of my life, it was that merry-go-round of just hating myself, shameful, guilt, being fat, eating more, you know? And so I could never really get to the causes and conditions until i did the step work in here so um i've like my path in here has just been really messy but i'm still here and it's somehow uncovered and so um so life has happened you know in 22 years and um i'm still here and i'm still abstinent and i was reflecting driving over here You know, I do have a bottom-line abstinence, and I do have a food plan, but I'm still, like, a crazy person who's attached to food, you know? Like, I have a weird relationship to food, so I still do, like, weird stuff with food sometimes. It's abstinent, but, like, it's still strange sometimes, and that's okay. Like, to, to where I come from, though, it's nothing. Like, I am not enslaved by the food, but sometimes, you know a certain food group will get in front of me and I'll have to know, like, that has to be put aside or, you know. And um, that's just so a part of me and it's forever humbling. So I'm grateful I do have those experiences because it keeps me coming back. And um, so so life has happened in 22 years of abstinence. You know, I've been through... Um, job losses job gains um you know i, I always ref- i always share this too about like so much of my compulsive eating is tied into my inability to have relationships with people basically and inability to have intimacy with people and that starts with intimacy with myself you know like being honest with who i am what i am what i like what my desires are what things so intimacy not just in like the romantic thing but intimacy and when someone says how are you to really answer honestly how how am I and and the fear of letting people in the food was the greatest barrier of letting people not come in and it started with not letting myself be in my own body basically so you know, I've had many different uncoverings of letting people in, and it started by just raising my hand in a meeting and sharing honestly. So I always try to raise my hand in a meeting and share honestly because I want to keep recovering, basically. And so, you know, the things that have changed in this program, like, um, and other programs that have helped me with people issues, but, um, is, um, you know, getting married um, and having a relationship with someone in the same house. (laughs) Not always easy. It was easier being... I always joke that it was easier being abstinent with just me and my cats. Um, And so that's been... Amazing, And like I I was saying to someone, I was talking to a sponsor this morning. I was actually doing four-step work this morning with one of my sponsors that lives up north. And um, I was saying, God, I really love being married. Like, I never thought. Like, I was just not one. I didn't want anyone to even come in my house, basically. That's what kind of compulsive overeater I was. And I love being married. I love connecting with my husband. And we have a really good time. And when my character defects come up, I'm so thankful for um, having the steps because I would not be able to be a sane person in a marriage without the steps. And, um, you know, in the four-step that I was working on today, I was looking at, um, there was questions I was answering around guilt and shame. And um, I was in a meeting last night, and... um, I was reminding this great this great um kind of slogan there's so many things in here, and I read it down it's like take um take the me out of blame, and there's just blah 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 <laughs> <laughs> and that's like my first step, you know all these resentments of <laughs> people that did to me and the victimhood and the this and the me, me, me and it's just like, it's just blah, blah, blah like when I really, I was reading this four step stuff and I was like God, I and I was joking with her I was like, I would really like um, to be talking about them and then I'm joking, it's like, it's about keeping the focus on myself and my stuff and my character defects, it's not about what other people are doing, and then when I do that people don't bug me as much they just don't when I really, like, get honest about my stuff and put the mirror up, it's just, I have a freer day. Thank God. I mean, these steps are so divine. So, it was a great morning of doing four-step work. And um, I will also sh- say, okay, so this is also how I work my program. So, the last year or so, I have a lot of sponsees and they save my ass, like, every single day I love my sponsees I love being able to be of service because it always gets me out of the me and myself so but I I realized I was like one of my sponsors uh, my sponsor this program just hasn't been available life has happened so what did I do I do what I've told other like sponsees to do which is like work my muscle and build my support system so I asked Someone who has a, who I respect who has a ton of time in this program, if I could call her in the mornings and we read the big books together and it saves my ass and it just gets me teary eyed because it's like oftentimes I don't know that I need the help until like I get the help, and that's so much about what the food was for me. it was like it just blottoed me out and it's still like, a delayed reaction, like, I always say, like, I still have delayed reactions on emotions, like, my marriage is always my litmus test of, like, like, if something comes up, I'm, like, I need, like, a day to get back to you on how I'm feeling about this, like, because I just, maybe it was just from, like, so many years of blotting out with the food, like, my emotions take a day to get back to me, <laughs> so, like, it took a long time for me to realize, oh, my God, I'm depleting what I need, so that's been such a gift, and... Um, the big book's coming alive because this person is walking me through the big book like I've never been been taught in a certain way. I've gone through the big book, but not in this way, so I'm very grateful. And I wanted to share that because it's like um, I could just glide along helping others, but if I'm not accountable for my stuff, I'd love to swear, but I can't. You know, for my stuff, then... <laughs> What good am I, you know? And so it's really helped me. And then someone in this room who is my outreach buddy, who she and I call each other and oftentimes we don't get each other and we just leave messages and both she and I have like chunks of the same amount of time and similar life stuff with marriages and life and abstinence and I'm so grateful for that. And so like those two things have just changed my world. And I'm really grateful. And so, I just wanted to share those things and not forget because I could I could stay in the story of you know what it was like and like okay I, I was really concentrating on like okay so what does abstinence look today, like today 22 years. So the last year has also been um, fascinatingly different. My my year. I'm coming out of a year of caretaking a father who has Alzheimer's, and um, he's still around. <laughs> and um, but but I'm the only daughter here, and um, you know um, we moved him out of his house into a beautiful facility who care for him in ways that he definitely couldn't care for him at his house, nor could we even provide the type of care for him that he needed there. So, I always say this has been my year of Alzheimer's, and it's been incredible and ass-kicking. And um, I had to really make that a priority and get abstinent and stay abstinent through it. So, like, that's life on life's terms. Like, I remember in 2006, I got through my other parent. Like, so much of my eating has been around, like, oh, the parents and what they did and how I grew up. And, um, so, um, in 2006, my mother had passed away from cancer and I always say this quickly, I'm so grateful I did a night step with her before she died. So I say that and I was free. So this parent, I get to walk through and be a, a good daughter, be a good daughter. And, um, I've learned so much cause like, you know, um, just, it's been incredible actually and what I get to look at even though my father doesn't know who I am he is so grateful every day and I'm like what a gift he's so present I'm like what a gift it's incredible he teaches me how to be present so like without the 12 steps I would be completely um lost in this and I would be 500 pounds walking through this Absolutely. So those are little snippets of what my year has been like and so many other things, but it brings me to gratitude. Um, so, you know, <clears throat> I want to open up to questions, and, and, but what I want to say is um, Overeaters Anonymous has saved my life. It continues to save my life, and this will be the year of continuing for me to keep mining away and keeping current in my step work because um, that is, I want to keep recovering, and it keeps me really humble too, like I'm so humbled by this disease still, this disease more than anything, to know where I came from and what I have today, and that I have freedom, I always say like, you know, 80% of the time is unbelievable. I was enslaved with the food. I'm not enslaved today. I, I do have a life by, like beyond my wildest dreams, and um, I'll open up to questions. Thanks so much. Okay. Thank Casey, how do you define a meal and a snack, and how do you know when you need your second snack? How do I define a meal and a snack, and how do I know when I need a second snack? snack um okay so a meal my sponsor early on taught me the one plate rule that was really helpful so even if I'm going to a barbecue sometimes I pile it high but it's one plate and that's imperfect by the way sometimes like I'll go back for veggies or whatever but because generally that's like a meal and I was always taught like protein grain vegetable that's like a meal that doesn't always look like that um and then um A snack. Okay, so um, I allow myself to have one or two snacks. I rarely do. I do when I travel. When I travel internationally, I always have two snacks. And in fact, I eat every five hours. And a snack for me usually always looks like a piece of fruit that is in some kind of casement meaning like a banana <laughs> or an apple you know it doesn't look like a vat of grapes um <laughs> because i don't know what you know like i i can't or something you know within a measured portion so that's what a snack looks looks like for me any other questions can i speak at two questions <laughs> One is about your higher power, like uh, where did your concept of a higher power come from? And uh, my second question would be how far into program did you get married and uh, did that shake things up for you? Oh my God, two juicy questions. My higher power and how far into program did I get married and did it shake me up? Um, my higher power, the most important thing that I know about my higher power, it's bigger than me and it's not me <laughs> and that it's ever around me. And you know, I heard when Sponsi took um, a candle earlier about the gentleness. That's the most important thing. And um, that my higher power is in everything. And usually when I know my higher power is not there is when I'm making decisions painfully out of self-will. I'm usually have the appearance of my higher power more clearly when it's not there right? And then I get in tremendous pain and then I get to bring it there. (laughs) So that's how I can answer my higher power. And by being here, here, listening to you plugged in the daily routine, that's how I get like I'm the run of the mill garden variety higher power. I'm not like the guru's spirituality. Like it's the tangible thing of doing these things. Get me my higher power, so the question about how far into program did i get married let's see i got married in 2009 i got here in 1994 mm-hmm. so um and did it shake things up hell yeah <laughs> oh my god but i will say like i had to make a lot of like horrible choices throughout my life of you know i remember oh my gosh i remember my early sponsor said she said um she said, oh, she gave me that no dating for a year of abstinence. And, um, I didn't do it perfectly. I did it for nine months, but she did say, um, the person that you're going to attract after a year of abstinence is way different than the person you are now because you were going to be different. And that is what i found. Like, you know, as I started to really get the center of myself in abstinence, that came first. And then, my program f- comes first in, in my marriage. My husband knows that. He knows that, and he fully respects it. He's a normie, astounding to me, different relationship to food, but he really respects it and loves it and lets me do my program, and that comes first. I could not be married to someone who didn't understand it or support it because this comes first in my life. So, Any other questions? Ari? Do you ever, like, I mean... Do you ever feel like you got, you, you got this or uh, you get bored with this or like do you ever experience, oh, experience that? Do I ever feel like I got this and I get bored? Um, all the time and that's my ego. <laughs> um, no, it doesn't happen all the time. Um, when, I mean 22 years of meetings and anyone who's been here a long time, you know, it's it's like there are times that I go through where I'm like, I don't want to go to a meeting and I go anyway. And this is not about, you know, the cool thing about being in program for a long time, like I really enjoy it. I really enjoy coming to meetings. I love overuse anonymous. There are times where I'm like kind of flatlined about it, you know, and I might need my other program more at that point, but I still come, I still do the routine, et cetera. But I always say like, this is not about having me to love it here. It's about me surviving, period. Like, this disease almost had me dead, and I would have died and could die if I leave the room. So, it's not about like I need to be skipping and jumping, coming in here and loving it every moment. Like, it's about my survival, it's about my medicine. And the cool thing is the more I go to meetings, the more I love coming to meetings. If I go through periods where life gets big and I don't go to meetings, I don't want to go to meetings. And then I get back to meetings and I love it here again. So, um, but it is the basis of my life, everything, nothing else comes first. So I know that because I don't, I don't want to go back. So, any other questions? Thank you so much for your share. Um, my question is do you have a certain how do you connect to your higher power do you do prayer or meditation are you talking to your higher power throughout the day how do I connect to my higher power well oftentimes the way I immediately connect to my higher power is when my sponsees call because I hear things come out of my mouth about God and about God running the show that don't come to me it comes from my higher power that's not my natural place um I get on my knees in the morning imperfectly. Um I do um writing. Um I tried I've been doing AEIOUs at night and emailing them to my sponsor, which always gets me to my higher power because I write about the didwells and the gratefuls and also the uncover, the things that aren't so pretty. And, um, one of my, I was just talking to one of my sponsors about one of my weakest step is practice meditation. And, but when I do do that, it's unbelievably beneficial. And I also look for higher power in things throughout the day, like gratitude. When I remember gratitude, I always go back to God. So, it's like I answered earlier. Like the rudimentary things of just doing this stuff always connects me with my higher power. So that's it. Is that one one more question? What are some of the very first? What are some of the very first things that I do that started me out? That's a great question. Um, it was a low, low bottom. <laughs> so, like I said, the first thing I did, I just came to meetings. That's it for a year. And then um, I don't recommend that that's the only thing you do. <laughs> I started to get numbers and calling people and talking to people. And I always say to people that are new to raise your hand and share in the meetings. Otherwise, it's like you're just invisible in here. So like raise your hand and share, let the group get to know you. And that's what started. And then when I found a sponsor to do a 30-day trial period. It's not a marriage contract, you know, just try it. And that's where some of the things. And getting the daily readers for today, that was a lifesaver for me. So those were the simple things. Thank you.